All right, everybody. Well, uh, we're doing a lot of things right now. We're turning five. We are, uh, of course, doing 24-7 prayer. We're having Easter in the Tower Theater. Our pets' heads are falling off, that kind of thing, right? It's a dumb and dumber quote. Um, but we, we have all sorts of things that just, it just seems like the list keeps growing of the things that God is doing and the things that we're doing, and things are busy. Not to mention you guys have a life, and you have all sorts of things going on. It may be your life is uh, going... Uh, just really busy, a lot of things happening. Maybe you have things that are going on that are really hard, but here's what I feel like is happening for us. I feel like there's breakthrough coming. Are you with me? I feel like there's breakthrough coming for some of us that really, really need it. And so what we're going to do today is I, I've, I've thought about what we really need to talk about. We have this Sunday and next Sunday before we begin this kind of journey together. What do we need to talk about? And I thought of two things. One is we need to talk about prayer, and we're going to do that next week. What happens when people come together and pray in the scriptures? When you see in the scriptures, what happens when people come together and pray? And then secondly, I believe we need to talk about faith. And I want to talk about faith today because I believe faith is the first and the last step of prayer. We have to say it first with our mouths, right? In faith that we can believe that God can do it. And then secondly, lastly, we have to believe in our hearts that it's actually going to happen. And so I want to talk about faith because I believe it's a huge piece of this, not to mention last week when I, mentioned, when I talked about us turning five, we feel like the same measures and types of faith that God called us to in the beginning to start this church, for many of us, are the same types of measures and steps of faith that he's calling us to in this season. And so uh, I believe that God is going to call you, he's going to call me, he's going to call the person next to you to measures of faith in this season, and you're like, I don't know if he's going to call me personally, and I'm saying, I believe he might. I believe he will if you let him, and I believe each and every one of us is going to be called in new ways if we trust him. So we're going to talk about faith. Now, faith is used interchangeably, isn't it, with the idea? If someone says a person of faith, you know, they say, oh, that person is a person of faith. What do we think of when we hear that? We think, oh, well, that person maybe is, uh, you know, they could be a Christian, they could be a Jewish person, they could be a Muslim. It just means that they're religious, right? That they're a religious person. I'm just telling you, we're not talking about religion today. We're going to talk about the idea of faith. And the idea of faith is actually believing that something's going to happen or somebody, the thing that we are putting our faith in is actually going to do what they say they're going to do, right? And so when I think about faith, I think about how much faith we actually have. You know how much faith you exercise every day? You exercise enormous amounts of faith. When you walk in a room and you turn on a light switch, you have the faith, what, to believe that that light bulb is going to come on right when you did it. We just believe that instantaneously it's going to come on. I have this light switch in my house that when I turn it on, there's like a one and a half second delay before the light bulb comes on. And so I'm like, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> you know, and I think it's like my, something's wrong and then all of a sudden it's right. And, and I think for a lot of us, we put faith in all sorts of things, don't we? We put faith in banks, for example. We take all of our hard-earned money and then we hand it to someone else. How crazy is that? And we believe that they're going to have more ability to keep our money safe than we do. We put faith in other institutions and people all the time. We put faith, right, in our cell phones, keeping all of that information stored for us so we don't have to remember it. But what if the cell phone fails, right? We just believe, well, then I have faith in the cloud. Well, then we're fa we have faith in something that we don't have to take care of that information anymore, don't we? We have faith in restaurants, don't we? We have faith that everything going on in that kitchen is, you know, up to code. You know what I mean? And we just believe it. We're like, I can just eat this with no worries, no concerns. We put a lot of faith in a lot of things. And here's what I believe. We don't have a faith problem because we have plenty of faith. We just have a placement problem. We put our faith in the wrong things all the time. We put our faith in the things that don't really 
measure up to the types of things that we really need to believe in. We believe in things that are actually shallow and empty, and the things that are really deep and sustainable and lasting, we struggle to put our faith in that. Are you with me? So, there's 250 verses in the Bible that talk about faith. I want to touch on each one of those real quick. Now, we're getting into one story that is the traditional story that we talk about faith from, and it's in Matthew 14. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to it. Matthew 14, starting in verse 22, Jesus has just completed one of his miracles. It's the miracle of him feeding thousands of people with a few loaves of bread and some fish. Talk about some faith, right? And then he's about to leave, and he wants to get by himself. He's going to leave this huge crowd of people. And I believe he's leaving because he's a little bit of an introvert. He's an INFJ, sort of like me, you know? He's, I like to think that I'm like Jesus. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. It's a personality type. Never, never mind. Um, immediately, we're going to read this verse, starting in verse 22. I love this story. You, know, you guys know it, so, but we're going to talk about it in hopefully a fresh way. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of them to the other side, meaning of the lake, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted, great word, right, by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, as you do when you're Jesus, right? I mean, this is one of those moments that we are unsurprised when we read it, but we should be like, what the heck? He's walking on the lake, right? When the disciples saw him they, walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. So they were confused. In the, in, in the original, it actually said that they thought it was an evil spirit, and so they're terrified, and they're crying out in what? And we're crying out in what? Fear, right? So they have this fear But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then there's this moment, right? Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. So, let me ask you, who's this story about? You don't have to really answer, I guess, but I'll answer for you since none of you said anything. Um, who's the story about? Most of us would say it's about, it's about Peter. Some would say, well, it's, it's about Jesus, right? It's about Peter and Jesus. So yeah, we have Peter, we have Jesus, and then we also have another group of people there, right? We have the disciples. We have the disciples that are in this story as well. And so I like to, sometimes when you're reading the Bible, if you would start to take the perspective of each of these individuals or each of the people in the story, and often you hear the perspective of the author, right? Or you hear the perspective of who the author's writing about. So we see through the lens of Peter in this, in this case, and that's what we're seeing and what we're thinking about. But if you kind of pivot and you say, what's the perspective of, of the disciples? What are they seeing in the story? And then, oh, and what's the perspective of Jesus and what is he seeing? I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever, this is like a really common and a really popular way to tell a story. Have you guys, um, they're doing this in a lot of films right now, a lot of TV shows. Anybody willing to admit that they watch the show, This Is Us? This Is Us fans in the room? Yeah, yeah. Uh, those of you who don't, it's a show on NBC. I admit I watched it. I've cried a few. Anybody cried at This Is Us? Because it feels like, this is us, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, so those of you who are not part of us, you need to watch the show. So here's the thing they do in that show. A lot of times they just tell the same storyline over. 
but they tell it from a different perspective, don't they? And so you'll watch the show, and it's, you know, it's, it's Randall's perspective. The next show is Kevin's perspective. The next show is you know, whoever's perspective, Kate's perspective, or whatever. And, and it's the same storyline, yet we're captivated because now we're seeing the whole story from a different perspective. Are you with me? So what if we, what if we looked at this? There's three people, and we're going to go ahead and put this up. You've got Peter, right? You've got Peter's perspective, and then you have the disciples. We're just going to call them affectionately the boat people, right? The boat people's perspective, and then you have... Jesus's perspective, and each one of them is unique in and of itself, and they teach us something different. So let's talk a little bit about Peter and his perspective. So Peter, of course, sees Jesus coming to him on the lake. He's terrified, but then when he realizes it's Jesus, he has a different moment. But here's what Peter knows. Now, what did Peter do before, before he was a disciple of Jesus? We all know this. Most of us do. He was a fisherman, right? So what does he know about being on the sea? A lot doesn't he? He has a lot of past information, past experiences. He knows a lot about what it means to be in the storm on the sea. In fact, he has so much information that he probably realizes if you get caught in a storm on the sea, the best place to stay, the best place to be, the safest place to be is to stay in the boat. Are you with me? And so he knows that even though the boat is small, even though the boat is limited, even though the boat doesn't have everything you need. He knows that there's no other better option for him than the boat itself. If he stays in the boat, he's going to live. Are you with me? And so he realizes this and he understands this. Yet, when he sees Jesus coming, he realizes it's Jesus. His perspective changes. He gets a new perspective because Jesus invites him into something new. He invites him into something that would change reality for him. I have a, I have a famous, uh, paint, or famous drawing that I want to show you. It's a it's a drawing of a duck. Now, this duck is actually a unique duck. It's not just any duck. And why it's famous, because it doesn't seem that, that unique, is it's not just a duck, is it? It's also a rabbit, right? Wait for it. Wait for it. OK, you got it. <clears throat> so what I mean by that is, for a lot of us, we see things the way we see them. And Jesus is trying to change our perspective same boat, same disciples, same Jesus, but in one instant, Peter, everything changes for him. It's no longer a duck, right? It's a rabbit. It's no longer just a boat anymore. It's no longer just Jesus. It's no longer water. He sees everything different, and that's what Jesus does. Jesus changes everything. He changes everything about our reality. He changes everything about what's possible in your life. So once you take this step of faith, you can no longer go back to the way it was. It's no longer just a duck. It's something else. It's something way different. It's no longer just a boat. It's no longer just Jesus and the way you think. That's an old way of thinking. There's a new way of thinking. Now, this is Peter's perspective. This is what he's experiencing. He's realizing, man, maybe the safest place to be isn't in the boat in the middle of a storm. Maybe it's something else. Here's what I love about what Peter Now, he gets a bad rap if you know the story because he sinks later but he is the only one that steps out, right? Here's what I love about what Peter does, though. He is focused. He's not focused on who is behind him. He's only thinking about who is ahead of him. Are you with me? He wasn't thinking about who was behind him. He was only thinking about who was ahead of him. He wasn't worried about who was stepping out of the boat with him. He was only worried about stepping out himself. And here's what he was focused on. What was Jesus inviting him to do? And so many people, so many people, maybe you, right, we wait so much to see what everybody else is going to do before we go and do it. We wait so much to see, are we going to be stepping out alone? Are we going to be stepping out with others? Am I going to be able to follow others? He wasn't worried about who was behind him. He was only worried about who was ahead of him. So let's talk about these boat people, these 11. Kind of talking about them like they're a bunch of losers, but I think we all really, really know these boat people. 
Here's the thing about boat people, right? Boat people, they love Jesus. These boat people really love Jesus. They were his disciples, right? They loved them. They wanted to follow him. They, they even rooted their identity in him. But these 11 did watch someone else step out in faith. These 11 sat in the boat while they watched someone else do the work. So let me ask you, are we even talking about a story of faith? Is this story that we're looking at a story of faith? Well, here's what we got, right? We have a group, a group of people going through a storm in life. You have God showing up in the middle of it. And you have one person doing something and the rest of, and then a group of people watching. Doesn't this sound a little familiar, right? Isn't this life in so many ways, a few radicals and faithful followers and the rest of us, uncertain if we have the goods to do what God has called us to do? So, it's a story about what are you putting your faith in? Remember, we don't lack faith. We have plenty of it. We just have a placement problem. Most of us identify with boat people because we find ourselves in the situation in life. We're very familiar with this perspective. We love God. We do our best. But boat people are people who are practical people. Boat people are the ones who like to control the boat in the middle of the storm. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, I got this. I'm going to be able to control. They get the oars, and they're working their tails off during the storm. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Totally you get this imagery, right? And people, there are so many people that are like, you know, they think that they can save themselves and the others by just trying to control the waves and control the boat. Boat people are the ones who trust themselves more than anything else. And for a lot of us, as boat people, Jesus is this really loving, powerful force in our life in which we would, we would, we would give anything for to a degree but really what we would rather do is invite Jesus to get in the boat with us, right? It's like we've tried to domesticate Jesus. We've tried to make a lion purr like a kitty cat, you know what I'm saying? And this is kind of what happens in life and what we do, and we're about to enter a season in which we're inviting you to ask the Lord for the Spirit. There's, there's four prayers I mentioned last week that we're going to pray as a church, that the one, that the, that the Spirit would come on us like fire, if we're going to pray a prayer like that, we got to have some extreme measures of faith, don't we? If, if we're going to pray for an evangelistic sort of outpouring, for salvations to occur, for people who are far from Jesus to come to know him, we got to have some faith. If we're going to actually pray for healing to occur, because we said three, four prayers. Spirit, come on us like fire. I mean, that just like scares me out of my mind, but I love it. He, or salvations, that we'd see people coming to know Jesus. Third one, healings, that we'd see healings happen, physical, spiritual, whatever kind of healings need to happen that they would happen. That's kind of crazy talk that you read in the Bible. Let's actually go and actually see if we can experience what we read in the Bible. And then fourth, right? The fourth one was personal breakthrough. Personal breakthrough, that there'd be personal breakthrough, whether it be addiction or fears or, 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 or marriage challenges or whatever it may be. And if we're going to actually step into a season of prayer, there's going to have to be extreme measures of faith in which we look around at ourselves and the things that we're clinging to, the safe rafts that we're in, the boats that we're in, and we go, what? where am I placing my faith right now? What am I putting my faith in? Am I putting my faith in Jesus or am I putting my faith in something else? Because for a lot of us, we put our faith in things like money, don't we? If you can get all the money that you need to solve all the problems, then you're going to feel good about life. A lot of us put our faith in our family. That's our safe place. 
And so we go, oh, I just got to get to my family. I'm just going to surround myself with them. And, and you don't really challenge one another in the family dynamic. You just kind of let life keep going. And, but maybe, perhaps, this is the season in which you say, you know what, I'm not going to let my family just continue to be in the state it's in. I'm actually going to lead my family forward. Because a lot of families, what do they do? They've kind of relegated the idea of faith in their life to, to really just religion, meaning we show up and sit in the safe confines of a Sunday morning service, and that's what we've defined as a faithful life. And I'm telling you, you need to be the one in your family to say, I'm going to step out and I'm going to show them that faith is something different than that. Are you with me? For some of us, it's our work, and I'm not saying go change your job, because the boat, here's the thing, Peter and Jesus get back in the boat. The boat isn't always the problem. It's what you're putting your faith in. The light switch isn't the problem. It's what you're putting your faith in. You know what I'm saying? And so the boat's not always the problem, but here's the thing. Some of you are sitting in a career in which all of your purpose and identity is rooted in it, and you need to understand that, no, God may not be calling you to a different career, but he's calling you to see your career in a different way, a new perspective. It's no longer a duck, it's a rabbit. Are you with me? And so here's what I'm saying to us. This is a season in which God is calling us into new measures of faith, not to radically upend our life, but to see a new reality where our perspective changes and we see something different that isn't natural or logical because God does not act in logical or natural ways and he's inviting us into something illogical and supernatural. A lot of us are putting our faith in the world. And what I mean by that is we find a lot of comfort in going along with what's happening in the world. And I'm saying this to my young friends in the room. A lot of us like to be in the know, keep up with the trends. We like to feel like we aren't on the outside of culture. And there are so many with a bad case of FOMO. Can I say that? Fear of missing out. We make jokes about it, but the fear of missing out is a real fear that people have, and it dictates their life because they are constantly trying to keep up because they don't want to miss out, and they want to feel like they matter and they're accepted. And we stay in the safe confines of fitting in and being accepted instead of stepping out of that and saying, you know, I only need to be accepted by one thing, and that's Jesus. I only need to find my comfort and my security in one thing, and that's Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. Those things aren't bad, by the way. It's just the wrong thing to put your faith in. Here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to think about one thing in your life that you need personal breakthrough in. One thing in your life that you need personal breakthrough in. Maybe it's, maybe it's freedom or salvation or surrender, or maybe it's some sort of healing or provision of brokenness. I want you to think of one thing that you need personal breakthrough in. Just hold that thought once you get it. I want you to hear this too. A life that longs to be faithful will eventually end up at the edge of a boat. You get that? It's going to happen. A life that longs to be faithful will eventually end up at the edge of a boat where Jesus is bidding you to come. Which makes me think about the perspective of Jesus. I'm about done. Mikey, you can come and start doing your thing over here. It's going to be awesome. His thing is cool. So the perspective of Jesus. Remember my whole This Is Us episode, right? So Jesus' perspective. He's doing his thing. He's walking on water because that's what Jesus does. He's looking at the boat where his closest friends are. And he sees them sitting in this boat in the middle of a storm. The storm is kind of tossing them back and forth. And he walks out to them in the middle of a storm. Can I keep saying storm just so you know? He's in the middle of a storm, right? 
And he sees his closest friends, and guess what? They're all in the same boat. You ever had someone say to you, hey, man, you and me are in the same boat? Literally. Jesus looks at us all the time and goes, you guys are all in the same boat. And I actually want to change that. That's what Jesus is saying. And what does he do? He approaches and he says something. What does he say? They are gripped with fear. I don't know if that sounds familiar in life when it comes to stepping out in faith with the Lord. They are gripped with fear and he says, take courage, do not be afraid. This is his first words. And fear is such a huge thing for so many of us when it comes to our life with Jesus, when it comes to our faith in Jesus. Fear actually cripples us more than we'd ever like to admit. It's the biggest hindrance to you becoming who God's called you to, to be in your life. Do you know that? It's fear. It's fear of not knowing what's going to happen if you do it. It's fear of failing or fear of, fear of the unknown. Whatever it is, it's fear. I'm telling you, fear cripples us. But that's why I've always said sometimes we just got to kick fear in the face, Right? And we need to claim 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, My God did not give me a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and self-control. My God did not give me a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and self-control. So by the way, the other boat people in your life, because you have them, they're sitting around you, maybe right now, but definitely around you in your life. And it doesn't mean that we're bad. It just means that, hey, God is inviting us out of the boat, and this is exciting. This is encouraging. This is the day. And who Who's to say that we aren't the ones, right, to do this? But there's going to be other boat people in your life, and they're not going to want you to step out of the boat. They're not going to encourage you to do it. Why? Because all that you stepping out of the boat does, it sheds the light on them not stepping out. Peter wasn't focused on who was behind him, but who was ahead of him. Your friends may not celebrate you. Your family won't always understand you. And what I would say is, Taking radical steps of faith sometimes will mean that you're going to end up standing on a limb all by yourself. But that's not intended to be discouraging. It's intended to be a reality that says, you know what, God calls us out. At times it will be difficult. At times it will be awkward and strange and different. But when we step out and we start to get a new perspective, when we start to get a new understanding of what things really are in Jesus. We start to experience the promises that he's always talked about. Remember when he says, hey, if you had the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. What is he talking about? Littler mountains? Maybe. But maybe he's talking about the mountains in life that seem like they can't be changed. The immovable, unchangeable problems and challenges and insurmountable things that you face in life that you've just given into and said, I can't do anything about that. This is the way it is. They're the way they are. I'm the way I am. Whatever. Maybe he's saying, you know, if you just had the faith of a mustard seed, that mountain of your life, Jesus came to make mirror mountains into molehills. Are you with me? He's coming to say, like, I can change things. I can actually change everything if you'll just trust me, if you'll just step into this with me, if you just come into the water and we get swept up by the wave that I'm creating, this powerful wave, this movement that I'm rushing through the world, I'm inviting you into it. Will you come on? He's bidding us to come because we limit ourselves to the territory of the familiar. But Jesus and the Holy Spirit operates in the places that are unfamiliar to us. Can I say that again? The Holy Spirit invites us out of the familiar. We limit ourselves to the territory of the familiar, but he operates most deeply in the places that are unfamiliar to us. That's when we start to see the things of the kingdom. And a life that longs to be faithful eventually will end up at the edge of the boat. Jesus is inviting us to come. 
And I say all this in light of 24-7 prayer. I say all this in light of the season we're in because I believe that God is calling us to steps of faith that I believe are new and fresh. And when I say that, I don't mean as a church, oh, we're gonna do this. We might, but I mean you as an individual, you as a person. I believe God is calling the church, us, at the body of Jesus into new measures of faith, out of the territory of the familiar, out of the territory of the safe, because we limit ourselves to these boats, right? Where we're safe, they feel comfortable, they feel like the best option for what we're facing in life. But Jesus comes, when does he come? In the middle of the storm. And he says, will you not only step out of the boat, but will you step into the storm with me? What? He thinks, here's the deal, in the middle of the storm, the best place to step is actually straight into the heart of it with Christ. Like that is what he's saying to us. Jesus is reaching out his hand. And are we gonna be the brave and faithful ones to say, we're the ones that God has called us to? Not someone else. It's not supposed to happen anywhere else, but right here, we're supposed to see spirit come on us like fire. We're supposed to see salvations happening all around us. We're supposed to be, it's us. We're supposed to see healings happen right before our eyes because you can't unsee stuff like that. We're supposed to be the ones to see personal breakthrough happening. So many of us have limited our faith to the things that we feel like we control and we go, oh, that's really good for the Bible or I heard about this church way across over in this other part of the world and man, God's doing great things. Why, why can't, I mean, why wouldn't we have the faith to believe he can do that right here? Are you with me? So here's what I want you to do. We're gonna pray. I asked you a moment ago, do you have an area that you need breakthrough, right? Remember that question? I said, hold that thought. Why don't you bow your heads with me, right? How many of you would say, I actually do have an area that I need breakthrough? Just lift your hand right now. I need breakthrough in a particular area. I'm already thinking about it. Raise your hand. I don't know how you feel. I don't know if you feel like you're in a storm and you're trying to navigate and ride out the storm or maybe you're trusting or putting your faith in something else. I don't, I don't know. But I believe it's time to start praying and trusting. I mean, Christy, when she talked about this battle we're in, man, it is so real. And some of you are like this. Tim, you don't understand. I've tried to pray this before. I've, I've, I've tried to trust God on this and I've, and I've tried to pray for breakthrough and it just hasn't happened yet. And I would say, yeah, that happens. Sometimes we pray and it doesn't happen right away. And I would just say to you right now, it's an opportunity right now for you to exercise more faith and more cries to God because I believe breakthrough's coming. There's a book that we've been reading by Peter Gregg. He says, we need to pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on us. This isn't just, hey, God, do all the work. It's like, no, we're going to go to work, Lord. But we're going to trust you in it, and we know that it's dependent on you. So whatever that is, that area of breakthrough, this is the time where we're going to step out in faith with this. So, Father, I pray right now for any person in here that's feeling that. I pray for all of us as a church body that, Lord, we would be willing to take the steps that it's going to be needed to be taken, God. That, God, we would hear your cry, your invitation to come, and that, Lord, we'd step out of the safe confines of whatever we've planted our feet in. And we'd see a new perspective on life, one that you shape, you give us. We pray all these things in your name.